0: good morning today is sunday july 8th and you are listening to in the wheelhouse itw is a weekly podcast on the chicago cubs and other ancillary topics i'm tom hockney and i'm leo
1: fontana this week on itw tom and i talk about the teams we love to hate we speculate on the developing mlb trade market and jose bautista takes us down memory lane and as always we talk about the chicago cubs but first let's uh I want to ask if you've been watching the World Cup.
0: Yeah, I haven't missed uh, many games, actually. I've watched almost all the games of this World Cup. It's been a really uh, interesting and great World Cup. They're all great in, as far as I'm concerned, but this one is particularly great. as There's been, I think, now 11 or 12 own goals scored, which yes. is a record. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, so there's been... Over the last couple of days, a couple of great, great games. Yesterday's game with uh, Croatia and Russia was one of the best games of the World Cup. It was. But uh, France squared off, squared off uh, on Friday against Uruguay. Yeah. And uh, uh, that was uh, quite, quite the game. And, and I know that you, uh, you have some thoughts on that particular game. Well, it left a bad taste in my mouth, Tom. I, I
1: just, you know, now a lot of teams are diving. Everybody, everybody dives, everybody's trying to draw fouls and goal kicks but you know later in the game mbappe who's the the young french player who's very very good he he he's 10 feet away from any player and he just falls right to the turf like somebody just kicked his knee and right. you know the uruguayan player one of the uruguayan players went over to him and tried to grab him by the shoulder to pull him up as if to say we all saw you do that. We know you're completely full of shit. And so both teams started to kind of face off against each other. The referee was going crazy trying to restore order. It's one guy amidst a, a sea of white shirts and blue shirts. And he's just trying. I, I couldn't believe that the lineman didn't come over to help him. You know, that he's just one guy out there trying to keep these two teams from killing each other. That was uh, I, I thought that was kind of that left a bad taste in my mouth. If you know what I mean? Oh, yeah.
0: And I completely agree. I think all of these teams are guilty of diving, even though I think diving is not the right term. It should be. Yeah, because that's what they're doing is flopping. It's just like at the end of the games, they call it penalty kicks. It's not a penalty. That should be it should be called something else. The whole idea of penalty kicks is is, so that I'm 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 struggling with some of the terms. However, um, when I look at the four remaining teams and I have to say yesterday's game with Russia and Croatia was one of the all time greats. It went down literally to the very final penalty game, uh, and Croatia uh, won. Russia, both teams uh, scored in the uh, overtime, uh, 30 minutes, which is – that's very unusual unto itself. Usually you see one team score in the overtime. Um, But, so you have French against uh, Belgium uh, on Tuesday, and you got Croatia against England. I like Belgium to beat France and I like England to edge Croatia. That should be the the better game of the two. I think Belgium is is better than France, and quite frankly, I think Belgium, this is their World Cup to lose.
1: I I think you may be right. Um, I'm going to be rooting for Belgium against France. That's interesting because that's an interesting matchup because both teams share a border, but I think you're also right that the better game is England and Croatia. I like Croatia in that game. Actually, I think Croatia is an excellent team. I think they were – I think it was a tremendous – uh, I think uh, evidence of, of their will as a team to beat the home team, because I tell you, Russia had a lot yep, of momentum. Yep. You know, I knew that they would advance past that first round game. And, uh, you know, the, the, the home team is always a hard team to beat. I remember they scored a goal and it just sounded like the entire country was crashing through my TV.
0: It was really unbelievable. So Yeah, I'll tell you what. What they said was that there there were so many Russians watching that game that very few were allowed to meddle in our elections. (laughs) That's good. That's good.
1: The other thing I wanted to comment about about the World Cup, and this brings us – this is a nice segue into uh, our next topic, is that I wasn't unhappy that uh, Brazil lost. And uh, and being an Argentine, Brazil – is one of those teams that, you, that I just love to hate, that no matter what, I will always root against the green and yellow from Brazil. I'm an Argentine, and it's really a point of pride as the two countries do share a border and have been rivals for decades, for, for over a century. And, uh,
0: you know, but, but,
1: but I want, that led me to ask you the question.
0: Who are well, wait, of, wait, wait, before, yeah. before you say that, I just want to tell you, uh, Brazil outplayed Belgium. Just so you know, I watched that game. Belgium won, but they were lucky to win because uh, Brazil controlled the action, just so you know. Well, but but again, if they're the better team, and this is, this is also
1: evidence to the kind Another reason why I hate them is they're always so <laughs> damned overconfident. They just right. think they can shimmy their hips and show up and win the trophy.
0: And I love it when they lose. So. Yeah, well, yesterday, yesterday, one last thing. I was watching Croatia against Russia, and I couldn't keep track if it. it was like... Uh, uh middlewitch, middlewitch uh yeah uh, oh, uh, uh yeah. greg popovich yeah. joey son of a bitch <laughs> you know, I, I i couldn't keep, i couldn't keep track of all the different players literally everybody's last name is a bitch yeah yeah right even <laughs> to stefanovic yeah
1: no i know it goes on and on but uh i wanted to ask you tom who are the teams that you
0: love to hate that we could talk about different sports yeah well I don't really hate a lot of teams. In fact, when you, when you posed this question to me in the show notes, I actually had to think about this for a minute. In hockey, really, there's only one team I have disliked, and that's the Philadelphia Flyers. And it's not really the Flyers themselves. It's their fans. Yeah. But I will tell you, I don't really root against the Flyers, and I don't root against these next couple teams I'm going to tell you about, but there is one team, and I'll save that for last, that I root against every single time that they play. And so, when you, in the world of football, I'm not a, or, or in baseball, I should say, I'm not a big fan of the Chicago White Sox, as I've yeah. been stated yeah. many times, but I don't necessarily root against them either. Right. I, I'm not a big fan of the Red Sox. And, and I don't necessarily root against them, um, but when you go to the NFL, I'm not crazy about the New England Patriots. Not so much that they've been so successful—that part I respect. It's just how they've gotten that success. They've they've cheated a little bit, and that part kind of bothers me. But there is one team Who's that? <laughs> that I root against. That's the Green Bay Packers. Yeah. Every yeah. time the Packers play. I I hope that uh, people you know I just hope that they lose every single game. I I, I I dislike the Packers. I'm right there with you
1: on the Packers, you know, and it's it, it the parallel is not lost that they also wear green and yellow just like Brazil. You know, but <laughs> but but uh, but, uh, but for me the team that I really will always root against and that's the Boston Red Sox. I can't stand them. I really can't. There, there's not I was thinking about this kind of turning it over in my mind. I'm indifferent to just about everybody else. I love the Cubs. I like the Reds. I I absolutely cannot stand the Boston Red Sox. And it has to do with, and and I'm sorry for those Boston Red Sox fans out there who are listening, you know, it has a lot to do with your fans and the arrogance of the fan base. And uh, I don't know. I just, I'm done with it. And. In that In that division, I root for the Yankees.
0: you know I, I, I get that because they were one of the last teams to integrate they 've got a really sordid history when it comes to racism yes. and and their, fa- and their fans are, are are totally tied into that, so I, I get that um, but I, if I, what i don 't understand from you is that you throughout your life have been. Part Cincinnati Reds yep. fan, part for a minute a Cardinal fan. I know you like the White Sox, but you really love the no Cubs, the Cubs That's is, really my, your, is my is my your go to yep. team. Yep. Yep. So you would think that it would be somebody that was an opponent of uh, either the Cardinals or even the Brewers. You, you would the think Brewers that. Are... You
1: would think that. But I admire the Cardinals and their history too much, and I know too many. I, I I lived there. I have a kind of affinity for the Cardinals, and I admire I I admire what they've accomplished. You have to respect that, you know. And uh, some of the players I've seen play there, I really like, and, you know, I'm not, I don't hate the Cardinals. I hate the Red Sox. And part of the Red yeah. Sox hatred has to do with the fact that I had an unhappy love affair with a woman from Boston. She broke my heart. So that, that, <laughs> so the that truth, also, blew. so the truth comes, the out. Truth comes out, exactly. <laughs> so, so let's get to what's happening around the league. And, you know, we're getting closer to the trade deadline of July 31st. The Mets, who started very well, are now completely awful. And they have a couple of pitchers that they may trade, Jacob deGrom and Noah Syndergaard, and they're looking to rob an organization. And uh, I I really don't see any National League team trading for those guys because the price is too high, especially not the Cubs.
0: Well, I will just say this. The most recent news is is that the the Mets are not looking to part with Syndergaard, which is incredible to me because deGrom is a better pitcher. DeGrom's win above replacement is is a 5.0. He's one of the one or two people or one or two players in the National League that has that distinction. And I'll tell you what, I'm a fan, and I always have been, of if it's a known entity, yeah. and I know we're going to talk about Machado in a minute here, if it's a known entity that you are great, I will take that over the unknown prospect any day of the week. And I know that that, that burned us as Cubs fans in the Chapman trade. Uh, mightily, and it may, it may go down in the history books as one of the worst traits for the Cubs, even though I will say we got a World Series out of it, so it makes it worthwhile. When you're talking about a DeGrom or a Syndergaard, those are thoroughbred uh, horses. And, and if you get a chance to get one of them, you take it every single, every single time. I don't care what you're giving up. But what I think the Mets are doing is they're posturing right now. You know, Every other day, there's a news article yeah. about they're going to do it, they're not going to do it. And I think I would I would be comp- I would be shocked if they didn't move one of them by the end of this uh, end of this month or the or whenever the, the trades after the All-Star game. I Well, say.
1: I just want to say that I, I would consider those two guys radioactive just because the Mets training sort of philosophies <laughs> are so right, ridiculous right. and behind the times and awful. Right that these guys are just a disabled list trip waiting to happen. However, I will say that if deGrom especially he's healthy he would tip the balance uh, towards you know uh, a possible playoff win and possible world series appearance he's that good you know he's able to ch- yeah. really change the quality of a team so you know
0: you you are so right about their their training staff cuz i heard recently they actually hired a voodoo doctor <laughs> to uh, try to uh, help them. It, they, they, literally, they've tried everything, yeah. and it hasn't worked. And last year, if you remember, they had more players on the on – the, you know they had to get the Red Cross in there. I mean, literally, yeah. half the team was on the DL. Well, a friend of mine who lives um, in
1: New York, Bruce uh, – this friend of mine, Bruce, he was telling me that uh, their, their basic philosophy is, you know, what they do is the trainer says, how do you feel? And that's basically how they, 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 they evaluate injuries – you know, nice. All right. All right. Nice. So let's move on. Manny Machado. Um, I, I hear a lot about him maybe going to the Diamondbacks. Um, that makes sense. I think, you know, they lost JD Martinez, he would kind of fill in that gap,
0: he would make them, I think, uh, the better team in that division, you know. Yeah, you know that's an <coughs> interesting take. They definitely are one of the now seven teams. Yeah. Yesterday it was five teams, but now the Cubs allegedly are back in it, which I hope to I God hope they don't not. make yeah. a play, as as we've talked about. But the the front runner as of two days ago was Philadelphia. What? so at this at this point it's all over the place. This much we know: Machado's going somewhere. Ye- that yeah. much you can bet. Yeah, I, he
1: should have gone somewhere last year. I mean, the Orioles I think made a mistake in holding on to him too long. But you know what do you do? Um, Matt Harvey is the name too that may be intriguing as he's pitched really well for the Reds you know and and if I were the Reds we need the Reds need pitching so badly I would try to keep it you know you got to try to do something
0: so let's just have a reality check here for a minute in the last 30 games the Reds have won 18 of those games in their last 20 games they've won 14 of those games and so they're one of the hottest teams they're in fifth yeah. They're fifth in the last 20 games of all major league teams. If I'm the Reds, there's no way I'm getting rid of them. Yeah. They've made enough moves. They need to start. First of all, Riggleman has is, is, is kind of uh, settled that team down. They're playing very good baseball. At this point, if you remember last year, they were they were you know in the big slide that had them finishing in one of the worst teams in all of baseball. I think the Reds need to start um, – looking at their farm system because they allegedly have some good players. And, and here's, here's a goofy thought. At some point soon, maybe not this year, they need to be buyers, not sellers. Yeah. That's what I think about the yeah. Reds. I'm, I'm, I'm very uh, bullish on the Reds.
1: Yeah, oh, absolutely. I think that's, that's a great point. Hey, so did you see uh, Joey Bats had a walk-off grand yeah. slam home run for the Mets, no less. Now, that was his 30, 337th of his career. It was also his first grand slam. But it was it was really cool just to see him pose, you know. After he killed that ball, it just reminded you of all the home runs you'd seen him
0: hit. That was that was kind of a nice moment, I thought. Well, to quote my one of my favorite movies of all time, "The Big Lebowski." That's like your opinion, man. <laughs> the fact of the matter is, is Joey Bats is an ass, and he's always been an ass. And, uh, I, and, I, and I'm not a big fan of hitting the home run and standing there for 40 oh, seconds admiring on, it. Like, I, I, I'm telling you, I'm not a fan <laughs> of, of Batista. I never have been. <laughs> that reminds me how I used to hate Ricky Henderson for just that reason.
1: But, right, but, exactly. but as he got older... You know, and, he was, and, his, and his skills eroded. He was still every bit as arrogant as he had been. Oh, yeah. And I love – He still is yeah, right now. Still, yeah.
0: still, he, he, he claims he could play minor league baseball today, and he probably, he probably could. could. I, I absolutely, absolutely believe
1: that. And I love <laughs> – And then, you know, where I used to hate him, I loved it. You know, so
0: – And uh, yeah, he was he was great for no. baseball. I, I hated the guy, too. The, the ripping up the bases and taking them, <laughs> putting them in his back pocket. <laughs> what was that all about? Ricky? Ricky's a throw. I, I just love it.
1: All right, so the, yeah. so the Mariners are playing really well. They're only two games behind the Astros. Uh, D Gordon, did you see that uh, defensive play he made where he, the ball was – it was a line drive up the middle. It was almost on the outfield grass and just made this Superman dive to catch the ball before it touched the ground. That was amazing. I like the Mariners, and yeah. I, I hope they make the playoffs.
0: The Mariners are one of the the five teams that are ahead of the Cubs in records at this point. They've played playing very well. I missed that play, but I know that D Gordon is is downright biased like at, at points. Uh, I wanted to uh, before we move on to our discussion the Cubs, yeah. I wanted to talk about a player in uh, the the Texas Rangers named Shin Su Chu, who ma'am? has hit in 46 straight games. Wow. Or I'm sorry, has is on base in 46 yeah. straight games. That that's a big uh, error there on my part uh, which is incredible unto its own right yeah. um in, in the modern era what the part that's interesting to me is that ted williams has the record which i don't think uh Chew will beat which is 84 games Ouch. in a row Ouch. he he was on base in 84 games in a row Ouch. try to get your head around that.
1: that's bananas that's really crazy well uh you know i did not know that that was excellent all right so let's move on to the Chicago Cubs. You know, the good times were rolling. They'd won six in a row, and then the Reds come to town. And they're nemesis, they're nemesis of late, certainly. <laughs> and they were able to come back and beat them yesterday. We'll get to that in a second. But, uh, you know, the funny thing is, is that at least Michael Lorenzen didn't hit a home run. You know? Yeah, no <laughs> <Jeez>. kidding. <laughs> that was, you know, <laughs> Boy, but they need to play him more. I don't know what they're doing.
0: You know, but uh, what what the as I just said, the, whatever the Reds are doing, it's working. I wouldn't stop it no, at all. They yeah. they're they're a gritty, young, dare I say, hungry team that needs to be uh uh watched out for because they're going to cause trouble. And
1: how about the new Reds
0: Cub killer, Eugenio Suarez? That guy. <laughs> oh yeah, no. Ugh. Well, Suarez is a great player. Yeah, he really is. That, that guy was talked about at the at the midway point for. uh being dealt by the reds last year I, I think suarez is a really good player and they need to hold on to that guy.
1: best reds third baseman since chris sabo so <laughs> <laughs> javi baez had a memorable trip though around the bases against the twins and he's just you oh, know yeah. this is he's the most exciting player in baseball he's the most likable player on the cubs and he just does things that you never see anybody do he did this he 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 did this swim move To score. Oh my god, he was out dead (laughs) to right. The the twins were ready for him to do this on the steal of home and he still scored.
0: I think the major leagues are ready for are, are on the watch out for Bias because he he is one of the most dangerous men yeah. in Major League Baseball once he's on the bases. Now this this is a stat I haven't looked up, but I need to. I believe he stole home for the third time this yeah. year. Yeah, that's that is extremely unusual in, in the majors. Like in the '80s, it, it, it happened like once or twice the whole decade. So uh, Bias is is a dangerous man on the base pass. I would, I you know, he's he's very Lou Brock like yeah. in the sense that. He's so smart, and it's seemingly he is a step ahead of the man that has the ball in his hand in the outfield oftentimes. And so – and even some of the best arms in baseball, I've seen him where he's just completely hoodwinked them, where he stutter steps, stops, or, or he takes off. He takes a single into a triple. I mean, the guy is, no he, he's a dangerous, dangerous Cub. And, and the worst part of all of this is the Cubs are going to have to pony up to keep that guy. I'm telling you right now, he's going to, he's going to command a huge amount of money when he, when he's doing, well, up. he
1: puts people also in the seats. You know what I mean? People want to see him yeah, other, yeah. your opponents hate him because he's so flashy but man, he just makes this season such a blast, and I hope he makes the All Star. Uh, I hope he makes the All Star game, and I think you're right; they're going to have to pay him a lot of money to keep him. All right. right. So uh, what else? Well, let's move on. Uh, the, Theo Epstein uh, said in a press conference or an interview yesterday that uh, we should not expect the Cubs to make any any big trades this season, and I think uh, I think that's probably going to be true. I think he's being
0: pretty honest. I there. think. I think that's worrisome information. That's really? wor- That's troubling. That's troubling to me. Yes, it is. And the reason is, is because if you think about the, the modern game of baseball, you have a, such a short window for uh, being a dynasty – that the the Cubs are reaching the end of their window. It's, so if, so if they throw in the towel this year and by not making any moves, they're throwing in the towel. They're not no throwing way they in the be, towel
1: by not making oh, yeah, any I'm
0: moves. Tell, Leo, Leo, they cannot beat the Houston Astros. The but, Houston Astros will will repeat. They have got the best ERA and they have the second best batting average in the majors. They are they, to me to beat the Astros, the Cubs have to add a front line starting pitcher. They, in other words, they would have to either go after Cole Hamels, who got roughed up yesterday, yeah. uh, or or go after a. DeGrasse or someone like that, because if you're putting all your hope in the cortisone-infused arm of Darvish, uh, you, Darvish, you're got in for a rude awakening. I think this this is a lost year for Darvish, and at some point soon, they need to throw in the towel and let him rest so that, so that we can get something out of that investment in the future.
1: Well, I think you make some good points, but there's one thing that I take issue with, and the fact is, is that the Cubs aren't in the American League They don't have to play the Astros until the world series if they get there. Right. And if you look, if you look at the other national league teams, okay. I don't see anybody who's better than the Cubs. Really? I really don't. I mean, the Brewers are, have a, have a better record, but you know, there's nobody in the West, in the East that really is head and shoulders above the Cubs. You know, they can beat anybody. They can make the world series. Now, you Know if you stack them up against the Yankees, the Red Sox, the Indians, right. the Astros, Most five the Mariners, American League teams, yeah, then, then <laughs> they have a problem. But they don't, they, they would only have to play one of them to win a world championship, and you know, right? So,
0: uh, seven times, way, <laughs> seven
1: times, time. that's right. So, uh, all right, so, so Darvish, you mentioned Darvish, he's going to get a cortisone shot. Um, You know, I I, I think he might be back before July ends. And that in itself might be like making a trade, especially if he pitches well,
0: you know, if he pitches well, that's a big if that's that's like a number 148 size font if Uh, because I I, I think that it's entirely possible that it's it's just going to be a year that when you look back on Darvish's career, that you go, hey, that was smart that they shut him down when they did because he kind of came back with a, with a, fur, a fury because that, to me, is more likely. I, I just think the issue that he has is not something that is fixed with a month or two. I think it's fixed with a year, and unfortunately. yeah, no. Uh, so that's why, that's why I think the Cubs need to be in on getting a player. And maybe this is just posturing by the Cubs saying they're not going to make any big trades this year. Which, which is straight, absolutely right? possible. You know you know, in the in the in the Trumpian world that we live in, sometimes you can't take what people say at face value because it's not always the truth. Well, just but you know, yeah. you, you posed the question, where would the Cubs be without Mike Montgomery? Yeah, they'd be in the doghouse big time,
1: man. They'd be they'd be really, really scrambling because he's pitched very well for them. And uh, you know, with Chatwood struggling, with Darvish being injured, I mean, he he's given some stability to the back end of that rotation, and he's been very,
0: very valuable. Um, I also no want... no oh, go ahead. Want... no no doubt about that, but I have to say, Chatwood is still a huge concern, and he'll be a huge concern until they. They drop him from the playoff roster. I was actually <laughs> that's encouraged. What I, that's what I yeah, yeah. That's what I think is going to happen. It's like the Keystone Cops when he pitches. I was
1: actually encouraged by his uh, outing yesterday, although he gave up a lot of runs.
0: You know, Madden <laughs> yes. left
1: him in there. Madden left him in there, and uh, right. you know, he he pitched I think 110 pitches, and you know, he just right. was like, "Look, figure it out. Just stay out there until you figure it out." You know, and uh, I don't know. I thought there were some positive things. It wasn't at all it, a terrible out. So. It
0: reminds me when I was a kid when my parents would buy a loaf of bread and eventually it would get a little mold on it. <laughs> and they would say, just, you know, cut the mold off and eat the rest of the bread because, you know, it's still kind of good. <laughs> and then when I would eat the bread, and I would be like, you know, this kind of tastes like moldy bread. And that's kind of the way I feel about Chatwood yeah. is that he? we paid a lot of money for that guy. They're trying to – and I think you're right. Madden is trying to do everything he can to stretch – yeah, uh, some type of value out of this guy because I think he is a flawed pitcher when it comes to his control. If he, if he could ever not stop walking hitters, he would be a dominating pitcher. But he's one of those guys that, you know, he's, he's got that Kevin Soche in him that he, he, can't, he, he cannot get the ball over the plate at some It's inexplicable. To
1: me. No, you're right. You're right. And, that, and I don't want to skip ahead to this point because um, to this topic, because that, that kind of dovetails into the fact that a lot has been made about the bullpen being taxed you know, this year for the Cubs and, and, and that yeah, the starters yeah. haven't been going very deep into games. But I think the Cubs have done a good job of trying to mitigate that by bringing up a lot of guys from the minors. And I'm talking about your Randy Rosario's, your David Basses, your Luke Farrell's. I mean, these are guys who weren't on the roster at the beginning of the season and they've sort of replaced guys like Carl Edwards, who they've had on ice for a while, and other critical relievers have gotten a break while these guys have sort of soaked up those innings. And I think that that's been very good.
0: You know, you, you are hundred percent right. And we have to give credit where credit is due. I've been very down on Madden at times of how he's used the bullpen, but the bullpen has saved the Cubs yeah, pitching staff this year. It has because their starters are, are, are sketchy to say the least. And I, the, the one guy that really sticks out of that trio of players that you mentioned is Rosario. Yeah. That guy at times has got like a Montgomery, like um results anyways meaning that he's kind of he's a shutdown kind of pitcher so where would the Cubs be without that bullpen that's without a doubt I mean they're they're uh I think fifth in the major leagues in ERA and it's because of that bullpen.
1: well nobody had ever heard of these guys at the beginning of the year and they've just really pitched some critical innings all right so moving on Dexter Fowler a former Cub you know uh has been under the gun in St. Louis recently he's on I think paternity leave right now but his general manager, John Maziliak, was really critical of his, of his effort, you know, this season. And, um, and then there was this comparison to Dexter Fowler, to, to Jason Hayward in the Sun-Times as to which team had really benefited from the big free agent signing that had, take, that had taken the other's free agent. And, uh, yeah. you know, I thought it was interesting that it looks like now that Hayward is playing really well that the Cubs right. sort of made the right choice there.
0: They made the right choice, but they completely overpaid for Hayward But as, it, as it's turning out. But an incredible defensive player. And, uh, but let's just talk about Fowler. Yeah. Fowler, uh, you know, uh, Mosiliak has a 100% right to criticize Fowler. He's batting 171, and his win above replacements is a minus 1.3. That's, that's that means bad. That, that's really, really bad. That means you don't play in the major league level yeah. when you have numbers like that. Yeah. And, the, and this may be an aberration. Because the fact is, Fowler's a career 263 hitter. He's not going to hit 300. However, last year he hit a career-high 18 home runs. Yeah. So I think it's too early to throw the towel in on Fowler. Um, but I would agree that Fowler needs to, to, to smarten up and start playing better. He does. You
1: know? He does. And uh, I don't know what it is. Maybe he's struggling with an injury. But uh, he has been awful. And it's been yep. uh, glaring, it's been a glaring weakness for the Cardinals this year. But uh, no let's talk. Oh, and let's talk about um, the Brewers a little bit, though, and, ha- and in relation to the Cubs, you know, they're they're looking great. They're getting great sure. starting pitching.
0: So they they really are. And but I will tell you, here's the deal on the Brewers. The Brewers are legitimate, and if they don't make a, a move for a starting pitcher at the halfway point then it's it's it, if I was a Brewer fan I would, I would I would I'd stop following that's how bad that's how critical this is they are at a critical point and they must make a move and if they don't they're idiots and there's just no other way of saying it they, No, because they're matching the Cubs win for win I mean if you go back 30 games 50 games 20 games 10 games pick pick any stretch of time they're they're you know winning six to seven out of every 10 games they play
1: Alright, so let's wrap it up with the Cubs and I'd like to move on to this week in baseball history and I want to begin with two, uh, two, two events that relate to uh, former Negro League players. And the first occurred on July 5th, 1947. Larry Doby makes his debut for the Cleveland Indians and right. uh, and then also on July 7th, 1948, Satchel Page made his Major League debu- debut also for the Indians. So I just want to Sort of tip, uh, tip my hat. Were I wearing one, to those guys who I have a great deal of respect for, for uh, breaking the color barrier, and also to the Indians who had the foresight to bring them in,
0: these great players. Well, not not just <clears> that. Let's just, um, Doby was a great player, but Satchel Paige was one of the all-time greats. Paige, if if he had played his entire career in the major leagues, would have probably won in excess of 450 yeah, games. No, you're right. And so, and I'm and I'm and I'm not exaggerating. He was that good. In fact, he was so good. He won the rookie of the year that I I believe at age forty five, yeah. uh, at at some number like like he he was the rookie of he the year. He was six and one. I at, don't know if he
1: won the rookie of the year,
0: but he was six and
1: one. And and Vec, who owned the team, Bill Vec, c- campaigned for, for him to be rookie of the year. He would send I, th- I notes thought to the commission. I but thought... I'll look. We'll look that up for next
0: week. Yeah, but but what I'm saying is Paige needs to be um, uh, spotlighted in the sense that. Back in the old barnstorming days, the major league hitters that would play against Page could not hit no. him. They could not. Page had an incredible fastball, and he had an incredible arm that that hardly ever had any problems. There was never kind of mechanical issues where he had to go into the shop uh, for uh, overhauls. Like he he had a he had a got, he had a Walter Johnson, Cy Young kind of arm, which which you know today you don't ever see pitchers throw the amount of innings. Uh, or complete games or any of the stuff that those pitchers did back then. It's, it's actually remarkable. It
1: really is. And, and it's a great, it's one of the great sins of this country and this institution that he never got a chance to play. All right. But he is, a, he is a hall of
0: famer yes. legitimately oh, absolutely. Anyway, absolutely.
1: So. <laughs> All right. July 4th. Uh, this is, uh, this is 1980. Nolan Ryan strikes out Cesar Geronimo at Riverfront stadium to get his three thousandth strikeout.
0: But right. six years wow.
1: previously, Geronimo was also Bob Gibson's 3,000th strikeout victim,
0: which I thought was kind of cool. That- well, Ger- Geronimo, as I remember, was, was a, a really great... Uh, fielder yes. as i as i recall um was a lot of people's strikeout victims <laughs> I... he had actually a couple but, but, of good years offensively but it's interesting
1: that he was the three thousandth strikeout victim for both of those great pitchers you know
0: you know and, and nolan ryan at the time wasn't even halfway done with his I know, career i, know, I mean I know, that that He's still
1: going to pitch another 15 years. I mean, come on. Yeah, yeah, exactly. All right, so this one I I, I did for you. In 1988 on July 5th, Juan Gonzalez becomes the second player in Major League history to go over the 100 RBI mark before the All-Star game. Who was the first? That's why I wanted to ask you.
0: Who was the first player to to have 100 RBIs
1: before the All-Star break?
0: I'm going to say Hank. You're absolutely
1: right. You are absolutely right. 1935, he finishes the year with 170. Runs batted in in a 148-game right. season. That's crazy. And,
0: but Gar- but Garrick, Garrick had the record, though, right? Didn't he have- uh, Garrick had the record. No,
1: Hack Wilson has the record of hundred. Oh, Hack Wilson. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, but the one last one, and I, 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 you've heard about this, and Tom Browning was at Wrigley Field the other oh, day, yeah. the former Reds left-handed pitcher. Oh, yeah. And this is First the week year. that he was on the rooftop at a reds uh, cubs game at wrigley field and i i remember this because i watched that game live i was a reds fan back then and i was watching that game and they cut to browning who's in full reds uniform and he's sitting with his legs dangling over the rooftop you know in left center field <laughs> and there's a long pause and it's and harry carey that goes he's surprised he goes that's Tom browning you know and
0: <laughs> it was so, that was, they don't need a, they don't need a golf cart to bring him in the game they need a cherry yeah picker. they need a cherry oh. picker that's right he he i miss him he he was uh one of
1: my favorite pitchers on one of my favorite teams and uh i thought that was a great thing for him to do i think he got in no small amount of trouble i think he got fined or suspended or something for leaving right. the park in uniform but you know baseball gets to be so serious about some of this stuff
0: Agreed, you
1: know, agreed. That was just... uh,
0: however, there there is rules about <laughs> what you can do as a player on the field. I, You know, I, I could see where he would have gone. Yeah. Uh, I, I could only imagine if, if Miller Huggins was his man. Yeah, no kidding. How, how that conversation would have went.
1: You know, speaking of old managers, uh, uh, who, John McGraw in 1899 became the first player to steal second, third, and home in the same inning. That had never been done. He was the first.
0: And today – and today we call that the the bias yeah, special. The bias, that's a bias special, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. All right uh,
1: to all of our loyal fans, both of you, uh, if you want to send <laughs> us an email, send it to uh, you are in the wheelhouse at gmail Tom, as always, it's it's great talking to you, man. You have a good one.
0: Yeah, you do the same.